don't sweat the technique. Welcome back, Houston. These guys missed you over the last break. It's the Killer Bees, Joel Blank and Jeremy Branham, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. The Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I live. We're going to keep going with this, but we're going to move on to a different person. Um, is there any argument, Joel, to be made for D'Amico Ryan's over Imedoka? I don't. I don't want this to sound as anywhere close to a slight to D'Amico. I, for sure, but no, because of the fact that Udoka has more skins on the wall. His resume is just stronger, right? He's he's taken a team to the finals. He's you know he's he's been a head coach before. After a longer stint as an assistant coach before, yes. So I think that both teams have the right coach now. Both teams made mistakes previously with the coaches they brought in before, but I think that right now, if we're comparing one to the other, Udoka's above D'Amico because D'Amico hasn't done it before. What I struggle with Udoka here in this in this part of the conversation is like he was in Boston. He wasn't in, and he was there for a year. You know, like, it. do you feel like we talk about Ime Adoka like he's like a five-year vet coach? Like he was in Boston for like, like almost like how long Brad Stevens was in Boston for before he stepped aside. Like Adoka gets like, he gets put in the category of a coach that was there for a long time. But because of his it's actions, he lost true. his job after That's a year, point. right? So point. it's like, it's like he had immense talent, a, a team that was ready to win. And he was only there for a year. Now, you can see from, like, the first half of the season to the second half of the season how much better Boston was. But the only part where, like, I struggle at all with Ime Adoka is that it was one year. And, like, I, I, so I, I think the, your answer is correct that Adoka over D'Amico just because we don't know about D'Amico. I, I just feel like we've put Adoka in a category that we're potentially in for a letdown. Does it feel so, like D'Amico has the higher ceiling? I mean, like, I think coming into mm. his job... That's tough. Here's the thing, coming guys. into his job, there was more hype with D'Amico than there was more hype with Yudoka. But to answer what Joe yeah. said... And he was more accomplished as an assistant coach, I would say, than Yudoka. But to answer what Joe said, to start with the fact that no matter how... You're right, you're absolutely right, that a lot of people act like he's been doing it a lot longer than he has. But the fact is, the year that he did it... It was great. He took full grasp of it. He took a team that was not supposed to be that good yet. And got them to a point where they had, it, it took a long time to get back to where they were and get to a finals, right? You don't know what D'Amico is, and my the, the floor, the bottom of that scenario is, he becomes Nathaniel Hackett. As a head guy, he can't grasp everything that goes with being a head coach. On the plus side, if he is still the leader like he was in the huddle and the way he was with his defense, and he takes it to the level of being a head coach, yeah. there's nothing to say that he can't surpass at some point Udoka, but for right now, going into what we're talking about, I think Udoka's a half step to a step above D'Amico. Yeah, yeah. I think you, by default, you have to put Udoka ahead because he's been to an NBA Finals. I mean, that's... As a head coach. Yeah, as a head no. coach, yeah. So he's like he, automatically he, 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 by default, he has to be the guy, but I do, th- I, and I do think he has a lower lower floor as well. Like 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 Joel just said, D'Amico could absolutely flame out. What? Uh, I thought he made a comment that about Udoka... I thought you made a joke. I just didn't hear it correctly. Oh, no. well, you, you completely uh, mis- completely looked past his massage joke with uh, Deshaun Watson. I, I thought actually you didn't mean to make that because I thought you were trying to move off of that. <laughs> like you said it and I looked at Joel and I was like, did you mean to say massage? massage the situation. 
I wasn't sure. Like, it is it a common... I'm not mad right at you for it. Like, massage is like a common... Like, that's how I would describe... Like, the way you described he massaged the situation is a great way to describe it. But, like, if with the Sean, like, it's a little touchy... You just used Deshaun and Touchy. It works. <laughs> See, like, my point is that I didn't mean to do that. I wasn't sure if you meant to use massage. So I let it go. So all I, I mean, but all I'm all I'm saying in the process of all of this is, is that D'Amico has a chance. Though Agreed. I don't think it's going to, but he has a chance to be in Nathaniel Hackett or David Cully or guys that get their first gig and, and then they get in over I their heads. I Coley far, but yeah, he could be Hackett. I mean, yeah. Coley, Coley was completely – I mean, he wasn't even worthy of getting the and job. And like I said, I don't think he's going to be any of those things. But until you've been there and done it, even if it is as short as a one-year span of time with Udoka, Udoka did what the Celt- – Brad Stevens, who was a, a, a overall up-and-coming genius of basketball, couldn't do. And he did a hell of a job doing it, and he'd still be doing it if he didn't screw up off the floor. Yeah, it's it's a it's an interesting conversation because I think long term the answer could be D'Amico. It could be, and part of that. But if CJ Stroud sucks, then his 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 tenure is completely derailed. And I don't feel that True way too. about Adoka. Yeah, he's yeah. Udoka's not one player failing away from flaming out. If, if could Bimak, be. that's not necessarily true because the Texans are going to suck this year. If they, oh, sorry, if Stroud fails and the Texans suck this year, they got their own pick, so they could use it to get. An, never mind. Anyway, so what I'm saying is, like, is if Jalen Green's bad, they can go. You can fix your star problem in the NBA because it's five for the five, well, but five Joe, starters. And again, I'm not going to crap on the Rockets per se in terms of their, their their roster. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And the top picks that were taken because yeah. it doesn't matter which two guys, as long as two two guys, as long as you get ideally two, but one to two guys that turn out to be that kind of guy we're talking about, franchise-changing, starters, possibly all-stars. Shen Goon's in that mix along with Jabari and... and, and Thompson. And Thompson. And, and you have four guys. Will you, you and, include, and Jalen Green. you include Cam? Because he was projected to be a high pick. Cam's like a, Cam's I, a bonus pick for you, so I don't. I, he could be someone like that, but I'm not. Like, gonna, but I don't. I don't think he needs to be force fed into that conversation because it's a steal. You got him where you got him. I feel like I. I would say as long as two of the five hit, they're in a great position. Tari Eason's a guy that's on the border of that too. He's and never going like, to be a superstar, but he could be a really above average player in this. And league. like that fifth guy could almost be like a Tari slash Cam combo. Like as long as one of them. Ends up being like a solid, like a really solid player. It doesn't have to be all NBA or anything like that. Then like you're good, and that is like the big difference between Adoka and D'Amico. Like long term, is that you know in two years Giannis could be available to the Rockets in just in theory. If 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 Jalen Green sucks and they but they find a way to trade for Giannis, it's like Adoka. It's not going to matter if CJ stuck, sucks. D'Amico will be on another team. Yeah, I mean, it'll be what happened to Robert Sala in, in, in the Jets when, yeah. was, when Zach Wilson sucked. It just, I mean, even though we think Robert Sala is a great coach, the Jets were terrible because they drafted the wrong quarterback. Uh, what about the team? Uh, I think team right now, the Rockets are above yeah. the, above the Texans. Rockets. I think that you're. Uh, we just got it's done just saying, like an unfair advantage, though. You're, yeah, you're you're basically keeping your fingers crossed that Stroud is the guy. You still don't even know what Will Anderson could be, but overall, when you look at the roster, you're not saying. There's five or six guys here that could be potentially really, really good players in the league as opposed to looking at the Rockets roster. And granted, it's a smaller roster, so it's easier to judge. But to say that you have now almost eight young guys on your team that you could say could be anywhere from rotational players to potential all-stars, that's a really good position to be in. Yeah, and like the weird thing, too, about it with like the, the Texans is that who's the best player on the Rockets? 
Van Vliet? Van Vliet. I was going to say that's the other thing. Oh, you you yeah, now have added yeah. a guy that I don't know what the NFL equivalent is, but it would be it, well, a champion, all-star caliber football player like a Fred Van Vliet is to this team. It's like my kind of like where I would go with that is that the problem with the Texans is that their best player just can never make the impact that Fred Van Vliet can make for the Rockets. It's Laramie Tunsil. Like it's That's great. Point. It's great to have a left tackle. It's really awesome for your roster. It's great that he's the number one pass blocker in Madden. But like, what does it really matter? Like, he, yeah, it, if you don't have the proper weapons and pieces around you to to exploit it, then you know it's like Fred Van Vliet. I mean, he could have a really big impact, like running this team. But if every time he throws a pass, whoever's on the other end of it doesn't finish it, is that on Van Vliet? Is he is he lesser than? No. So. But I'm thinking like the equivalent of if you added a really, really not even tons of that's a great comparison. But I'm saying if you went outside, like, a, well, and you enhanced your roster with a guy, yeah. maybe it's a pass rusher, right? Maybe it's someone that you say. But now, what impact are they going to have on the team? Texans, I don't think have added a veteran that has that impact. The Rockets already have, and the Rockets already have a younger talent pool that's roster been in the league. I think the Rockets are above the Texans from a team perspective. Yeah. I think it's pretty fair. I think it's it's much more easy and clear to see who the Rockets' potential championship core is yes. than, the, than the Texans. Like obviously Stroud and Will Anderson would be a part of that, but past those guys, I mean, there's there's nobody at wide receiver. Dalton Schultz is not a superstar. There aren't really any superstars in the linebacking core. Uh, it's just much easier to see. Like if the Rockets succeed, okay, there's five guys who are obviously going to be a part of that. Whereas the Texans is Stroud, Anderson, and who. Yeah, because you just don't know. Uh, so I guess just like overall big picture. Pierce, Pierce could be. I mean, but he's a running back. He's I know. Gonna, like, look at the way these running backs yeah, are like, getting he's, treated. He's not getting a second contract Petrie here. could be. Uh, I like Petrie. Uh, oh, yeah, Petrie, Petrie yeah. could be in that. Petrie Stingley. Christian, Christian Harris could be. May, yeah. I mean, I he's think he like, could be a good uh, player, but I don't think he could be a think star. about it. He could have an all-Alabama linebacking crew. That's true. And, and, you know, if one or one or two of those guys show, if two of those guys show that they're you know, above average, you're in a really good spot. All right, so my dumb brain forgot my laptop charger, so I'm I was gonna try I was taking notes. So if we do a overall big picture, I think we're all like split like fifty fifty between like each different category. So, so I, which one's like which organization? Well, you know what I'm curious though? Top down team. From a fan base and everybody can chime in if they want, seven one three seven eight zero three seven seven six. As a fan base, which one are you more behind right now? I think the optimism, I don't know the answer. I think the optimism Dare I say this? But I think the optimism is still more with the Texans because now they're I so gung D'Amico, right? Because of D'Amico, yeah. they're still so gung ho about and D'Amico, CJ. and now they got a franchise quarterback drafted highly that they haven't seen like some of the picks that, that they've seen from the Rockets yet. That I think that if you said to the fan base, if you had to pick one or the other right now, who you who are you riding or dying with? I still think people are going to take Texans over Rockets. I, I agree because like it's just interesting. Like you're like for Joel, like you you had Tillman, uh, Casario. Adoka, the Rockets roster. I had the same. I but, had three one Rockets, but the Texans. And what's I think I leaned a little more fifty fifty. Oh, but, but I'm like, not. Ta- I'm saying the fan base. I would take the Rockets. Would you take the Rockets? I would, the Texans? I, I'm more encouraged. I love the pick of Cam Whitmore. I think Cam Whitmore is going to be a player. I love Tari Eason. Those aren't the big sexy names that fans are hooking on to. Yeah, but I think there's enough talent on the Rockets roster that I'm more excited about watching the Rockets in a long time. I'm I'm hopeful for the Texans, but I don't have the same expectation. I love Rockets fans because like they attach themselves to, like these just random players that are so irrelevant. So it seems like not a lot of them well, love. Uh, what's his name uh, that they extended too soon? Tate. People love Jay Sean Tate. Tate. I'm like, yeah. but why? 
why? Why? Why? Like, what is it about Jay Sean Tate that, like, you wake up, you go to a toy? Well, you don't go to a Toyota Center because no one was Phillip at those games. He's a screwdriver in your toolbox. Yeah, he can do some things, but you can get another one. Yeah, it feels like any guy on the Rockets roster who's under 27 and on the bench, fans will automatically assume he could hey, be an all-star. credit to Rafael Stone, though. He found Jay Sean Tate playing in a European league, brought him over here, signed him, and got a guy on the roster that has helped. Just like I credit Rafael Stone for making the trade that got uh, Shengun here. Yeah. But then at the flip side, and in Casario, we could do the same thing, just like you said, which was fair about Kenyon Green. The biggest thing about those two guys is for every time you want to pat them on the back, you can turn right around and go, but then you did this, this, and this, and I went, why? Yeah. And what did you get for him? 100%. All right, here's Joe Blank. I am Joe George. Coming up next, we got to revisit this Dylan Cease, Luis Robert thing from yesterday. It led to a great discussion on the show. But, like, the the reaction from it, I think, has been a little over the top. And it's it's what we've talked about the last two days on this show about expectations versus reality. So I want to revisit that trade next year on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. On ESPN 97.5. The show name is a reference to how many great Astros' last name begin with the letter B, who were playing back in the 90s when they were not winning World Series. Bagwell, Biggio, Barry, Bell, and eventually Berkman. You might not remember Barry and Bell, but trust me, you'll remember Blank and Brenham. Here they are now, live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios. Joe George and Joel Blank here with you on the Killer Bees till 3 o'clock here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. A couple reactions from the text line. It seems 50-50. Well, I'm pretty, uh, 1185 says, well, I'm feeling pretty good about the Texans, but it's going to take a little bit longer because there's 22 starting positions versus five. I'm far away more optimistic about the Rockets from 9695. I think it's Team Rockets. I like the fact that at least now it's close. Yes. Because in the past it hasn't been. And actually, it would have been both fan bases judging how far down the road they are in moving on from them or not caring about them. Now we got a fan base that cares again about both of them. It's just now we're able to take a positive spin on this and say, how optimistic are you on each team and who are you more optimistic about? Before it was Jack Easterby still there or Bill O'Brien still there and they're driving this thing into the ground. This sucks. Before that, it was Russ wants out, Harden wants out. They suck. Who are we going to get? Can we, if we don't get the number one picks when we want them. This sucks. And now they're both on the come up, which is a lot better to talk about. Oh, and so much better to watch too. Not only just to talk about, but I'm, watching the Texans and the Rockets has been honestly just like a chore the last three years. Texans, we have to watch every play. Rockets, because of how frequently they played, too, and the style that they played, was unwatchable for me for more than, like, five or seven. And I love basketball. I'd check back on them, but that was tough to watch. Okay, so yesterday we had a pretty lengthy discussion about um, Dylan Cease and Luis Robert and what it would take for the Astros to trade for them. And we threw out a million suggestions. We had, you know, we talked about, you know, how Granado, you know, said he would include Tucker if it meant getting Lewis Robert because he's locked up for so long and, you know, you can include him and Hunter Brown. We talked more about, like, the prospect side of it mm-hmm. or just a couple major leaguers. But the one thing that, like, I I, I think that Astros fans need to realize is, like, that it's just not happening, right? 
Well, like like the expectations so for the trade deadline can't whether be it was John Heyman now. or Schwab here locally. I think it got it had legs because of the fact you had two sources both putting it out there. So Astros fans kind of got a little overzealous in in analyzing it and contemplating. And it was fun, but when you talk to a guy, talk to a guy that we both know, and Adam Sager, oh who, yeah, who who's a Chicago guy back in Chicago now, his immediate reaction was, "It's not happening." And you and I both have friends back in Chicago that are saying, "Look, fun to contemplate and fodder about, but from a White Sox perspective, they're not doing this deal." So I cease maybe they're not giving up Luis Robert. I'm not going to act like I'm a big deal. I'm not. But I reached out to someone I know that kind of like works for the White Sox. And I, and I asked them, I said, are these guys even being talked about? And the response that I got was no. <laughs> it was like, if the Astros or anyone wanted one or both these guys, it is going to have to blow their socks off. Like the White Sox know they're bad, but the guy I talked to said like, they still believe that their core is Cease and Robert. But he did say that Cease more likely than Robert. I could see that. I mean, Robert's locked up through, what is it, 2027? Like it's He's just, a free agent in 26. Like, it's just, that's unrealistic that a team would move on from him at this point, even if you're going Actually, to be they're terrible. both Yeah, they're both free agents in 2026. Like, I just, no, Robert's locked up longer than that, I think. He's got, like, six years. Okay. Um... Because we went through that yesterday, and because I know Cease is two and a half years, um, I think Robert's like a little bit longer, but I just don't think that should be the expectation for the Astros at the deadline. So, like, what are your expectations? My expectations are they're going to go out and get a starting pitcher, and that Dana Brown is going to target a few guys, whether it be Montgomery, whether it be, and again, it's tougher now because if you look at Cleveland, you realize that that injuries are going to play a key factor in who's worth going to get. But I think that they are going to make sure, and maybe it's the White Sox, but they look at a Giolito instead. Mm -hmm. But I believe that my expectation is by the time the deadline is over, they will have acquired at least one quality. I'm not going to say great or ace, but I'm going to say a quality starting pitcher at the deadline. Would that be like an all-star Level quality, like if you know, it's, it'd be like one of those close? where. Let me say, yeah, I would say, like you know how some guys just have a year, one of those years. I just say that because JP France is giving you quality, but you wouldn't consider someone of his caliber coming back to be what you would want. But have more skins on the wall, okay? Right? A guy that for a, for a year or two in the in the bigs has been above average, maybe made an all star team, but you know, you know, you look at. I don't want Lance Lynn. I don't want anything to do like with a Jordan him. Montgomery. But I said Montgomery's yep. a guy that I truly would be interested in. If you got Montgomery in hand and you didn't have to give up too much, now whether you get a bat or not, I'm really pleased with how much you've upgraded two key needs for the Astros. And that's where I stand, is that I do not I do not expect the Astros to go into this deadline and, and trade Hunter Brown and Drew Gilbert and whatever it would take to get Luis Robert and Dylan Cease. Would that be awesome? Hell yeah, that would be awesome. It just it seems it's so unrealistic for the Astros to make that kind of move. And like it like I said, it'd be incredible. But think but about like, it, Joe. The one reason why it was so fun to talk about is because of all your options. Now instead of wondering if Kyle Tucker's gonna go away when his contract expires and is he gonna test the market and now the rock are the Astros gonna have to play hardball, 
Now you're going, well, I got a built-in replacement for him right here that Absolutely. may be better, but even if he's not, he's good enough to replace him, and he's on the roster already, so I don't have to go out and get him. That's awesome. Or with all the pitching woes, I got a guy that whether he resigns in a couple of years or not, that for the next couple of years with all the uncertainty of starting pitching, I got a dude that can plug and play at number two in my rotation. Oh, I mean, I, I, look, I would, I would love if that happened. I just... To me, the most realistic option is what you're, what you guys are saying is that they get one or two like quality, but like closer to Javier peak Javier than JP France. They need someone that can come in that can be the third pitcher in a playoff series if Hunter Brown doesn't figure it out. That's what to me is their number one priority at the deadline. I expect them to get a good. Major League Baseball player that is going to help them make a push for the World Series. So, no, I, I agree. I don't want Lance Lynn. But I don't think Dylan So, Cease let me ask you this. At, okay, and we kid about you being a White Sox fan, and I know you're a Cubs fan first, but you know Chicago. If I asked you how far below Cease is Giolito and how far above Lance Lynn is Giolito. Okay. Giolito is a guy that I would truly be interested in. I that think I we're think, talking about the wrong Chicago pitch to make an offer for. What about Marcus Stroman? Well, Strowman's out there too, right? But I think I actually think that Giolito would be cheaper, yes, than Strowman. All right, one we through. Could. Let's go. So number one through five is the top one, Cease. Yeah. The second best pitcher is Strowman. Mm-hmm. The third one, I would say, is Giolito. The fourth one, he's been he was really good again yesterday. Is Kyle Hendricks, and then the fifth one would be Lance Lynn. I fully expect one of the Astros' deadline move to come from Chicago. For the record, for a starting pitcher. And it's to be one of those five guys. I'm good with that list, but I will put Montgomery, I think, third or maybe fourth yeah, on that Truman list. One. I would slide him above. I, like right below Cease. So is Cease even in the conversation, though? I think to me it would be you're looking at Stroman, Giolito, and Montgomery. And I, I would probably go Stroman, Montgomery, Giolito. Yeah, I think I would, too. As I the top three. Cease could be in the conversation. I wish, I wish Bieber was healthy because that's a guy that would be perfect here. Would you take the flyer? Like, I don't even know like how you start a trade conversation around Bieber, Shane Bieber right now because he's on the injured list still. Right, that's what bothers me. That's what I said, yeah. So, like, I, I don't – I guess, like, if you got the MRI and it looked like he didn't – Your doctors had, would have to do so much recon. That's your force, Whitley trade. And you know yeah. how your doctors have been with Brantley and with others, the yeah. colors and others. I don't trust the Astros on yeah, that deal. I'm not going to trust the Astros that you're going to be completely reliant on a guy that you don't know how healthy he can be. You can't take that risk this year. Now, if you're looking at Bieber for the next two after, oh, that's a great scenario to have played out. Now you're not as, as worried about who comes back and how healthy they are. But if you're going for it this year, you can't trade for a guy that might be Lance McCullers and Putter out on you health-wise some t- point in the process. Yeah, the, the deadline's going to be so interesting. Oh, it's going to be fun. Some of these teams have been, that we've been, we've been talking about, sellers, they just keep winning games. And, like, and, and look, are the Mariners going to be buyers? Are they going to be sellers? Like, I'm still not even sure. Hell, I want to know what the Yankees are going to do. I'm not even convinced they're going to. I think they could stand pat. Like, I don't even know. Like, if they they're should gonna, sell, yeah, but I don't think they will. Look, I know Jared Carabas because he put out the uh, his the video from his podcast. He was trolling yesterday so hard on Twitter, but he put out this tweet. But like it said, when do we put Aaron Judge in the same conversation as Mike Trout of deciding to willingly trap themselves with an incompetent franchise that is incapable of winning? 
Well, it's such a troll tweet, but it's so true. There's no difference between the Angels and the Yankees. You know what it is, too? It's essentially, though, Judge has a better chance because he's got a team that's going to overspend every single year. It's essentially, tell me that you're only worried about the money without telling me you're only worried about the money. Because when you get locked out like Mike Trout with the, the highest-paid player at the time in all of baseball for a, a, a monster long-time deal, you say, well, winning is secondary. I'll take. I'll be set for six lifetimes, and so will my family. And if we win on top of it, it's like NFL owners. If we win, it's icing on the cake. But my bottom line every year looks really good. All right, let's get in the car. We're driving to my house. We're going to Bad Take Boulevard. That's next here on The Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Right where you belong. That song belongs to me. So many bad takes on sports. What do you do with all of them? Only there is something in your head to control the things you say. Well, the killer bees use them to build an actual street where they can get run over for all eternity. 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 What's that street? Bad Take Boulevard. Bad, 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 bad Take. Bad Take. All right, Bad, bad take, take Boulevard, Boulevard here on the Killer Bees on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Joe George and Joel Blank here with you till 3 o'clock. BMAC behind the glass. We'll start with Bad Take Boulevard with the Seattle Mariners. Uh-oh. I don't even know if this qualifies as a bad take, a bad idea, or a stupid person. Maybe it's all of the above. Uh, you know Jared Kelnick? They're an outfielder. Uh-huh. Yeah, he's going to be out for a while, Joel. You want to know why? Why? He kicked something yesterday, throwing a temper tantrum, a cooler. He broke his foot. Oh, my. This, yep. What, didn't Rondon last night for the Yankees annihilate a fan? Yeah, that was really mean to them. Not a fan like in the stands, a fan in the dugout like with propellers. Yeah, so they said uh, Jerry Kelnick broke the foot, uh, broke his foot kicking a water cooler last night after he struck out. Tough. This dude has been like the highest rated prospect in their system, and since they brought him up, he has been hot dog snot. He was really good to start this season. Yeah, he had a little bit of like a resurgence this year, yeah. Yeah, but like... That's a bad take. Don't kick things when you're mad. Yeah, the Astros had a few guys that have hurt their hands punching things in the dugout. I still can't see Phil Maton. I still thought Phil Maton would not have been on the team this year. I totally did was not expecting him to be. He was Phil Maton to me is another guy that when you say start of the season, who's going to have an impact? I would have written off Dubon. I would have written off Maton. I wouldn't have expected Corey Jolks, even if he did make the roster coming out of spring training. So you look at all these guys again, J.P. France and all the guys we named, it's like, no, Phil Maton was right there to me where I was like, even a Ryan Stanek, if you didn't use him in the playoffs after having a, a sub one and a half ERA. He was an all-star, wasn't he, last year? Yeah. Well, there's your all-star. Because, you know, oh, yeah. some guys can make a one-year all-star team. Yeah, I just, I, I thought, what I had heard when it was reported about the reason why Dusty Baker didn't want Wilson Contreras because of his locker room kind of cancer um, or just presence that was an issue in Chicago. I thought that when Maton punched that locker, that Dusty Baker would be like anti Phil Maton. Yeah, like, I just it doesn't seem like a Dusty guy to keep him here. It, it, no, it certainly doesn't. It, it makes you wonder what did Chaz McCormick do to make Dusty so mad? I mean, how many how many how many things has he punched in the locker I room? If that'll ever come out because I don't know how. I just can't, I've never been able to fathom how Dusty could not like Chaz. I can't believe Dusty said. That he liked Chaz, then he stared down Chandler Rome. Stared down Rome, like he sure did. And like Chandler is not wrong because it's so obvious. It has been obvious. All right, I got one for you. Uh, game day NFL came out and compared Kirk Cousins to Mr. Allen in Buffalo, Josh Uh-oh. Allen. And before you scoff at this, 
but this is also a bad take. They were trying to sing the praises that Kirk Cousins was better than Josh Allen. Since 2018, Cousins has a better completion percentage, 67.8 to 62.5, has 20,900 passing yards to 18,000 for Allen, has averaged 261 yards a game passing to 238 for Allen, has 153 touchdowns to 138 for Allen, has 10 less interceptions, and has a QB rating of 100.9, whereas Allen has a 92.2. Why this is a bad take is because you're only comparing regular seasons. Not only that, but you're factoring in. What, what was the start period for that? 2018. Josh Allen Yeah, so you're really factoring young. the first two years. It's a, it's, a two, it's a completely different Josh Allen, his first two seasons to after Stefan Diggs got there. That's right? why I said this is a bad take, yep. click, clickbait tweet, because of the fact that you don't take into the biggest most important situations in in a guy's career playoffs where we know Kirk Cousins has I don't care if he went home and kissed his kids and put them to bed and did all these things on the Netflix quarterback documentary you watch that yet I haven't I want to watch watch all of it but I saw clips of it but I don't care about all that I care about the fact that every single time you have a really good team and a chance to make a playoff run you crap the bed yeah just go look at Kirk Cousins numbers when he's not playing in the noon slot on Sunday anytime you put him under the spotlight or on national TV or when they're playing the Green Bay Packers I I cannot believe like the the section of Twitter that I, I you see sometimes that are the Kirk Cousins defenders like it's them and then two anon. Or, I knew somebody. I knew, Jeremy was it this year, but I knew somebody. The three of us was going to put Kirk Cousins borderline top ten, and I just can't do it because of what we've seen of Kirk Cousins. But like, tell me in that shootout a couple years ago in the playoffs, Mahomes and Allen. Tell me if you take Allen out and put Cousins in, the same thing happens or even close. Yeah, not even close. Exactly. If Mahomes didn't exist, Josh Allen would have a Super Bowl. Yeah, I, I would agree with that. Definitely. Uh, B. Hannon wants to put me on Bad Take Boulevard because I said that I don't love Prince. I, I would, too. I don't think that puts that, me on. He, he ain't wrong. I didn't say he was bad. Well, I, I, I didn't, like, discredit Prince. I just said he's, like, not one of my favorites. You just said you've never been a fan. And did yeah. You, did you say you didn't like him? No, I just thought, I'm yeah, asking. I don't remember. I'm, just, I, I'm not a fan. Like, he's not. I don't go out of my way to listen to Prince music. I'm with you on that, Joe. I've never bought anything for Prince. You guys are idiots. There we go. <laughs> All right. Uh, we got one more to get to here, uh, and this one's, who knows how long this one's go, because this, this topic has been rolling all over social media about the future of Bill Belichick and if he's on the hot seat. Here is Asante Samuel on his podcast uh, talking about Bill Belichick. Is he the best coach in NFL history? Absolutely not. Are you crazy? Why, why not? Well, look at his record without time. You got to win without time. So you're telling me. One thing I learned about being great, you got to be great in different situations. It was all Tom. I was there. I saw it. It was Tom. Everybody know it. Tom know it. But he ain't going to admit it because he want to be politically correct. That's why I'm here. That's why I'm going to tell the truth. And you're not afraid. And I never. And you got experience to talk the truth. Because I've been there. I've seen it. I confronted him. And we've been through it. This is the second time this has happened in the last, like, two weeks where someone said that Bill Belichick's not the best head coach of all time. You think he is? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I'm, I mean, I'm just asking. No, I think Andy Reid is the argument. I can't remember who said it last time. I think it was Tyreek Hill. I could be wrong. It was on Tyreek Hill's podcast. That I know for sure. Oh, no, it was, it was Michael Vick said that Andy Reid is the best coach of all time. No, I think Andy Reid is the greatest offensive coach See, yeah. in the history of the NFL. But, well, and I don't know that Bill Belichick is a genius offensively. He had really genius-type guys doing his offense when Tom Brady was at the helm. But I think that we already know that 
when you're a head coach, you come in as either a defensive guy or an offensive guy. But I think that the one thing that separates Belichick from even from the old school guys going back to Lombardi and 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 you know and Shula's and 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 all the different guys, Tom Landry's and Chuck Knowles. When you look at what he's done in terms of dynasty, right? When we start talking about dynasties and the the the, the massive amounts of success and Super Bowl titles that they they won, and he was at the helm, he ain't doing anything wrong, right? Yep. He's done a whole lot right more right than wrong. And when you stack and rack those kind of numbers and those kind of achievements, that's what puts you at the head of the class. Now you might, and this is really simple. And look, to some degree, and a lot of people think this. But if you've had bad experiences with someone, even when they have have some success, and maybe Asante Samuels, the way he left the organization and the way everything ended at the end of the day. There's bad blood. There's some bad yeah. blood that makes you want to try and drag him a little and bit. And I would guess that most former players of Belichick's at some point will kind of start to take this stance. A lot of them. We, the, wor- we worked with one of his uh, former players, and he yeah. w- often took this stance. Because I, I've, I've also known several players that have that have told me the same that look i don't i i hate his i hate his my way or the highway i hate his dictatorship but i know if i go there i got a really damn good chance to win and if i haven't won and won consistently or won a super bowl i will endure all of that to play for him but i will not have any fun and i will not like it but would you but i don't think anyone would say that anymore because you're right, they said that. They but, did say that. But that's where I think where the the main argument that Sante Samuel and others have is that the truth was all along that that was only because of Tom. But it, I mean, it's two different dynasties they had separated by like a decade. But Tom was there for the, all. The, of the, it. the only player that carried over was Tom. Yeah. No, I, I think it's like people are just. I think it's revisionist history for sure. And not, that, and not only do do you have that two only one player carry over to you know two separate dynasties ten years apart? But I mean, look at Peyton Manning's career. I mean, there's there's little argument that Peyton Manning's not what a top two, three t- most talented quarterback of all time. Sure. Yeah. And he's basically got one Super Bowl he led a team to because of Bill Belichick. I do wonder, though, like where the line is for Belichick of where he starts to taint his legacy. He's starting to. Like, I, like, I think there's a, there's a fair argument to be made that Russell Wilson was on the path to being a Hall of Fame quarterback, if not already. But then now it's so bad in Denver that it could potentially ruin his chances. It, it could tarnish everything. And it, I think Belichick's kind of starting to tinker I agree. with that. Like that's where like people who said like he could be on the hot seat this year. I mean, year. when you hired Matt Patricia, your longtime DC, that was a, yeah. as your OC, yeah. now you're starting to have people look at you side eyed, going, "What are you doing?" And then it didn't work, which makes people even more go, "You don't know what you're doing." Yeah. I would have defended. I've defended Belichick from the non Brady years before because he, I mean, he had 11 wins with Matt Castle. He took a rookie quarterback and Mac Jones to the to the playoffs, but. Yeah, the Matt Patricia Joe Judge experiment with it's, it's you can't defend it. Yeah, and if they don't win this year and he does get canned, because I think it's very possible that they fire Bill Belichick. They'll never fire Bill Belichick. It seems like him and Robert Kraft have some really. They will have a mutual parting uh, sure. of the ways. But yeah, it will never be will never fire, fire Bill Belichick. Semantics. Now the question then becomes: Will Bill, if Bill Belichick ever left the Patriots? Would he coach again? And I don't know that he would. I do. I think he wants to pass, pass Shula. So it depends on where he's at when he leaves the Patriots. I, I just think that a team has to give him total control, cool. a boatload of money. You know, and again, and if this, and which belt bill are you getting? If I do all that for you, but I get a guy that's going to make my DC my OC, I got real questions. I, you know who's going to have an opening in, in, in 
probably next season's the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. They're going to have an opening. They'll give him. A, they'll give him the entire team control. It's not who I was thinking. Who? Now the team control part's the tough part because you're Dallas? talking about control. Dallas. Could you imagine if like Jerry one day would we do that? Jura, Jura would not do that because Jura would not take a backseat to Bill with all the GM. But he's already taking a backseat to his son a little bit with I, the team control. Yeah, because he wanted Johnny. And he and they took um, Zach Martin, right? Yeah, Over Johnny I think, that was, I think it was probably Zach Martin. a really smart move. <laughs> Definitely, I I think Jer- I think Bill Belichick's like the one guy that Jerry Jones would let have control for one more title because that's what Jerry really wants more than anything else in the world. He wants one more championship. That would be awesome if or we one woke less up lawsuit. If it was 2024 and oh, maybe one less kid he doesn't know oh, about. Oh, that too. That was um, part of it. Bill Belichick as the Cowboys head coach just would be hilarious. It's just funny to envision. There's like no, I don't think it happens either. I yeah. do think he egotistically. I don't wants think he. Could, I don't think he and Jerry could ever coexist. You look at Jimmy Johnson's ego when it came to Jerry, and they knew each other at, from college. I think if you take a total like disconnect from the start with no real knowledge of each other, and put Belichick and Jerry Jones and say coexist. Uh, it, it all may sound good at the start. I don't think it ends well. That Jerry was happy though. He had he had he had some Super Bowls. Now Jerry's desperate. I think that changes things. Yeah, it'd be interesting. All right, here's Joe Blank. I am Joe George. Uh, big day today in sports. If you are a, a commies fan, uh, not that there's any down here. The Commanders are going to get sold, but there's an election on its way in Major League Baseball, and uh, we're not going to like the results. It's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Welcome back to the Killer Bees Nuts. Live from the Veritex Community Bank Studios on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. Here's Joel Blank and that Jeremy Branham guy. Joe George and Joel Blank. He is my savior today because he let me borrow his laptop charger. This is even the though, second time. Even though I said it wouldn't work. Second time in two days. <laughs> that stubborn. Well, no. Yesterday wasn't my. Well. You always now, come why to your own you defense. Assume the which charger I give you work? Because I'm a right, but he wouldn't even consider looking at it or trying it. And the more I looked at it, I go, "We have the exact same, same computer." Because yesterday I error. called him because I knew he was working a longer shift on my way to work. I said, "Do you want a coffee?" No, nah, I'm good. That's it. I'm like, "Damn, man, I'm just trying to do a nice thing." So then I get here, and the whole day he bitches about how bad the coffee is. I went and bought and, coffee, and, and how much it sucks, and how he should. And I'm like, "Well, if you actually..." Just taking me up on my offer, you'd have had exactly what you wanted. Now today, yep. he's yep. he's sulking during a segment, shutting his laptop because it died and bitch. And I go, wouldn't my charger fit? He scoffs and it looks no. And, and two segments later, I go, you sure? Yep. Finally, when it craps the bed, I go, don't we have the same computer? Slid my freaking charger thing to him and said, try it. And he 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 gets this completely non emotional face and just looks down. I'm like, yeah, that's what I thought. Chump of the week, Joe George. Uh, I think Andrew might win this week. You think so? I think um, Andrew's nominated. You can't also you can't nominate because I just won't vote for myself tomorrow because I'll be with BK. <laughs> it's like you can, but like I'm not going to use it. I'm I'm going to vote for the other person. Uh, yeah, no, I made a mistake and I apologize. Uh, not for the coffee thing though. Yesterday I drank too much coffee. My you initial, still would have had better coffee. I know, so you but my apologize. I know for it. my initial reaction to not have more coffee was the right decision. I made the wrong decision by getting that extra coffee. Um, all right, so Rob Manfred's about to get reelected. That sucks. Yeah, that I, really does suck. I understand why the owners are doing it because of the Astros. Basically, like they're the perfect. Like that's why he's being reelected. It's because Rob Manfred has 
taken the beating for all these owners. teams cheating. For all the owners. And he's done a good job. Like, that's the one thing he's done good at. He's just been the well, punching bag. you know, from an ownership perspective, he's done a good job, right? It's just like what we've seen throughout sports. It's what uh, the NFL and Goodell just did with the whole Snyder situation. They spun it into Gruden to distract everybody's attention and the emails away from the worst owner that the league maybe has ever seen or one of the worst ever they've ever owners they've ever seen and all of the possibly unbelievably harmful stuff that could have been in those emails and all the team personnel involved and everything like that and then said I don't have to release the emails and we don't have to so we're not going to and we buried it just like he buried it with the the tapes the first time the patriots got caught all the things he's done the public the real coaching staffs and general managers and players, they all can have a totally different opinion on Manfred or Goodell. But from an ownership perspective, who make the decision on his employment. They do a good job. They love him. Well, I will say, like, honestly, like, I know we everyone boos Roger Goodell. I think he's done a great job, like, in recent memory. Great job. Like, uh, compared I don't think to, I can say great. Like, besides, even the Patriots stuff, like, he's done a pretty solid job like the nfl is making more money than ever well, that, that that's never they have stop, they have expanded the game globally in a way that no other commissioner has or even attempted to i think the product is much more enjoyable right now so like i think that overall they've got their rule changes correct you know the only thing that what pass interference and what's holding and what's a catch i wish roger could figure out what a catch is That'd be like my number one project. If I was the commissioner of the NFL, what's a catch? It's so much deeper than a catch, though. I know. I but mean, like, that'd it's, be like it's the using one thing. past precedents to make quicker and better decisions in the decisions that you make. And But again, we all think that their whole job description is to do the rights right for the sport. It's really just the owner. And it's just the owners in both cases. Yeah. And Rob Manfred, like, besides this first time now where like he actually has legitimately improved the game of baseball. Because I don't think anyone, really many people are complaining about the rule changes. No, I don't think anyone has. I think most people are, like, pretty okay with, like, the way the the changes have been implemented this year in Major League Baseball. That, like, it's gone very smooth. But it is frustrating that he is, that he is going to, you know, stay on when I think, in general, most people, including the players, would believe that he's done a poor job. Is it possible that he's, at least the main reason he's being kept on is so he doesn't talk? I mean, he's taking basically a bullet for, for, for Major League Baseball with the whole sign-stealing scandal. And he's we've seen him, I think, in many cases in, in interviews where he tries to deflect blame in other ways and kind of give himself credit or say tell us why he's not at fault. I think if, the, if Major League Baseball ran him out, there's a decent chance he could uncover some of the bodies and tell us what really went on. I mean, I think that's a lot of it, right? I think in a lot of different situations – Teams make decisions. Players make decisions. You know, general managers make decisions, not entirely based on what's best for the franchise. It's how much can we protect and cover our own ass? Because we know that if you know if someone's scorn, all bets are off. I think that's what everybody's hoping for in the cheating scandal. That's what I said. I think it's going to take a certain amount of time or a certain situation where player or players finally get fed up with something and go, okay, timeout. When I played here or with the cheating scandal there and we did this or they did that and we knew that it's all going to come out. But at the same time, it takes a divorce or two 
you that know, that goes askew. And baseball hopes that time could pass so it's not as impactful. Sure. It's interesting. Like, That's I, right. I, in theory, I, I would agree with you guys, but like Bud Selig never did that with steroids. Now, may, may, and I think part of I think they're different people. But I don't he's think heavily every- implicated. And I think Rob Manfred's heavily implicated in the science suit and stuff. Because not only would he have to go on the record of like what happened, he'd have to divulge how much of it was covered up. Sure, the, the Yankee stuff and the the Red Sox stuff. Yeah, and- like, and, and look, there are real. In, in my opinion, like there there was a there was a lawsuit from DraftKings from from players that used DraftKings against Major League Baseball last year that kind of got pushed got pushed to the side and like they settled it about the Goldilocks balls and like overs and unders and betting. I I think there are larger implications if they buried the sign suing scandal about how much people have been cheating now with legalized gambling. Oh, like, I, I don't doubt it. I don't I, know like what, I mean, how high it goes, but like I would just be fascinated now with like the legalization of gambling. That like if an organization like Major League Baseball had to come out and say, "Hey, we've been cheating this whole time," like everyone has, and we've been skewing the numbers intentionally, like how that reflects on everything else. One I, other thing with, uh, sorry, you go ahead. No, but I was gonna say I, I've said this before. It's interesting just which which hill you decide to land on and protect, right? And and. When you look at this, the NFL actually all got behind protecting the Patriots because it tarnishes the brand if the, if they got caught cheating multiple times. Now it's like the NBA with Donahue, where if you find out instead of one referee that it was multiple referees and now every outcome of every playoff game could possibly be questioned, now people have a whole lot less interest in, and love and belief in the NBA. Yeah. So the NFL did the same thing. In Major League Baseball... You know, you, you're you're wondering, to, and you're looking at it and going, well, they did the same thing. They made Donahue the scapegoat in the NBA. The They're Astros. making the Astros the scapegoat in baseball. Yeah, the Patriots look like the scapegoat in football, but they still were able to manage the situation to save the brand. I don't know if they were, though. Like All brands have been no, saved. No, the deflate gate's different. Just like when you said more... with Sealy, the whole steroid thing. Yeah. But Sammy and McGuire oh, yeah. and then Bond saved the game. Yep. Uh, just real quickly, one more thing with Major League Baseball here. Uh, Rob Manfred said that after these stadiums are locked up in Vegas for Oakland and once Tampa Bay is settled, that they will look to expand by two cities. I think Nashville is number one for me. And I think number two, I want to look at a market like Portland. Portland's been big. Portland would be great. Russ, yeah. Russell Wilson's in on the... In, in on the the investment ownership, uh, Portland's already got everything that's been in place for several years, pushing for it. It's just it's tough because it is a small market. I mean, but if that's Milwaukee small can stadium. do it, Port, well, yeah, and they'd have to do some things to make it different. I've lived in that city when they had the Dodgers AAA team there, and they had the Portland Beavers there forever. And the city will get behind it. They're great sports fans there. But I, you got to have a bigger, better facility to start with before that's an even real conversation. Yeah, I think that's why you go like big, like Nashville's Nashville. right. You're absolutely a, right. I think a big one and a small one makes sense. The other one I would say is Charlotte. They lead the league in attendance every single year in minor league baseball. The AAA team there, yeah. so like they clearly have like a very passionate fan base. So look, those would be like my top three. Salt Lake's not I, well, in there. Yeah. I, I, we're not mentioning. I mean, it's feel, it feels crazy that a state the size of Texas only has two professional teams. What about a team? What about a city like San Antonio? If you're going to say Portland, then I think San Antonio makes a lot of sense. I mean, there are over a million people. It's, uh, it's a major. It's, it's not a major, major market, they, look at but the way it's they, big enough. Look at the way they support the Spurs. Look at the passion on the Spurs. There's no doubt. I agree with that 100. percent Yeah. If like, California can have five teams, Texas can have three. And I don't. I don't think that the Rangers and the Astros would would approach that the way 
uh, Jerry Jones defensively and, and McNair have, yeah, right, would stop right. a, a third NFL team from coming. Well, that was the talk for years that Jerry, that San Antonio was Cowboys country because they held their, part of their training camp there. Yeah, so. right, right. But I don't. Yeah, I agree. I don't think he would fight as much now. Yeah, I don't. But I don't think like I don't more think re- again. We're talking about it. owners and revenue. There's more revenue. It doesn't matter where it comes from. As long as it's a success, you are too. Yeah, but like I, I don't think Crane and then whoever the Rangers owner would fight San Antonio or Austin. I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think Austin. I know Largo here Austin's says, way too small, but he Austin, Austin. Austin would be uh, on one of those kind of hot up-and-coming cities. There ain't no pro teams. I just don't know if it's big enough. How many pro teams are in college towns? Like, there's just not a lot. And, I, and it's still, I know there's more to it, but like at the end of the day, like it's still, it's a college town. No, oh, it is. Uh, all right, it's the Killer Bees here on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5. I am Joe George, filling in for Jeremy Bram alongside Joel Blank. As always, who are your untouchable Astros players in a rental trade? We hit on that next year on ESPN 97.5 and 92.5.